Hi, I'm Carrie Hoppy, and welcome to the 161st episode of the Backlash Podcast. I'm um, taking over Jeff's job today, temporarily anyway. He is here, but um, he decided I needed to speak, and I probably won't speak a whole lot through the rest of this podcast, knowing the the guest and my co-hosts. So here, you, here I am. All right. Well, Carrie, who's our guest this week? We're going to speak with Spencer Berman from Spencer's Anglian Adventures out of Lake St. Clair. And what are we going to talk about this week? Uh, musky fishing, of course. Well, I know, but what type of musky fishing? What are we going to talk X's and O's about weed beds and rock bars, or what are we doing this week? Um, we're going to talk about musky fishing with Spencer. <laughs> All right. Well, you got me intrigued. I'm going to stick around for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I better take over. All right, my job's back. Well, Carrie, I'm glad that we did that. That was that was a first for me. I've never uh, had anybody else start the podcast off, so I'm glad that you were able to do it. Now, at least I know when I go fishing this summer, and I leave you to the podcast by yourself, that you'll be able to handle it. Except for I don't have any of the stuff to record anything. I'll run. I'll, do I'll give you the rundown. We'll get you. We'll get you going. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. I'll be. <laughs> I'm I've, I'm gonna apologize to everyone right now if I'm the one in charge of recording, editing, and trying to get the podcast out this summer because that could be quite the mess. All right, fine. I'll do my best to stick around. We'll let Brad go fishing. You and I can we can handle the show. We did it last summer when Brad was gone a few times, so I think we can handle it again. Yeah, for sure. I I'm all game for that. I can get a word in then when Brad's gone. Right, exactly. Guy just talks and talks and talks. <laughs> <laughs> I just take over his spot, though, and you don't get a word in. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I remember that happening. <laughs> a couple times it happened. Right. So anyways. I'm excited to go fishing, though. Yeah, so am I. I mean. I, I'm it, going a little crazy, honestly. It should be good to get back out and, you know, get on the water. And I don't know. I just hope that the weather turns better because i haven't seen the sun in like three weeks and it's getting pretty old we've seen the sun but we've seen a lot more snow than we have sun and yeah i can use a good boat ride about now Mm-hmm. for sure all right well i suppose we better get spencer on the line and I'll, I'll give brad back his back the mic so that he can do his thing and we'll go from there all right, well, before we hit the road and get Spencer on, we got to do one thing, and that would be, if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure, make sure you check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. We're your source for custom musky gear. And you'd also be foolish if you don't visit Musky Mayhem Tackle. And, Carrie, where are you going to find Musky Mayhem Tackle? MuskyMayhemTackle.com. There you go. And Musky Mayhem Tackle, Team Rhino Outdoors, we have all the social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, so check that out. And let's go get Spencer on the phone. Sounds good. Our guest this week is Spencer Berman. The last time we had heard from Spencer was episode 100. And we're at like 161, I believe, right now, which means that it's been a long time since we talked to Spencer. Spencer, thanks for coming out tonight, talking to us. We're going to hopefully have a little conversation here about how things went last season and kind of preview what's going to go on this season. And hopefully somewhere in between, somebody learns a little something about musky fishing. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. So let's kick it off. Let's start with last season. I mean, I would say the last two seasons have been anything but normal. Last season, at least from yep. August 9th on, was somewhat normal. 
why don't you talk a little bit about the state of St. Clair as of last year? Yeah, so, I mean, the last two seasons uh, on St. Clair, or last season and a half, I guess you'd call it, um, have been totally defined by the border closure, and that's completely changed, you know, all the dynamics. However, you know, August 9th on, we opened up, the border was open, we could get to the full lake. I mean, for those of of the listeners that don't know, I mean, St. Clair is two-thirds in Canada, so we were restricted to a third of the water when it was closed and uh, not the not the best third. Um, so once we got once we opened up, as most can expect, uh, out of the gate it was a it was a total bonanza. It was it was dealing with uh, with fish that hadn't seen lures in a long time, and they acted accordingly. Uh, we also had some some phenomenal weather that that lined up with that border opening that just made it that much better. But uh, it, it was it was an awesome awesome couple weeks there when it opened, and overall last year post border opening went very well. We had uh, we had a major hurricane though that, that hit us at the end of September that dumped you know many inches of rain and crazy winds for a while that kind of set us back a little bit, but. Uh, you know, we recovered after a couple of weeks of, of dirty water that had to kind of limited us. But overall, it was a, it was a solid year once it opened. And uh, this year now we're going into with no restrictions, no holdups, just true excitement about uh, a normal year moving forward. Are you pretty much in the middle of fishing right now, Spencer, as far as the walleye side? Or do you not play that game as heavily? Oh, no, no, no. Um, Doubles every day on the water nonstop. Um, we started about two weeks ago. It's been a slow start for us up until about, a, about two, three days ago. Uh, we had a couple decent decent windows, but we started just over two weeks, or about two and a half weeks ago. It was right on par when we started, and then we had a really big cold front come through, and it just, it just stayed cold for a while. Anyone that watched... The NWT National Walleye Trail was just here last week, and they did very, very poorly. But it was just, it was a uh, a result of just the cold temperatures not bringing those fish up. And what people don't realize is the Detroit River does not have a super substantial amount of resident walleye. What we have is we have millions of walleye that come in from Lake Erie, but they don't come until the water gets warm enough for them to want to come up and spawn. And they just simply weren't here in mass yet. And then you add in some bad weather and some bad water conditions, and life got really tough. However, the last couple of days, we finally saw the weather break, and we've had just unbelievable fishing the last couple of days. And I mean, I expect that it's the few hardships from the last you know two weeks are, are behind us, and we expect it just to be you know absolutely phenomenal moving forward. Now the weather finally broke, so it's going to be it's going to be a lot of big fish. We we caught a 10 plus pounder today and would it, our top five fish would have easily been over 40 pounds. So that's, that's something truly special in walleye fishing. And I uh, really hope we've got a couple more days, a lot more days like that to come here shortly. So, well, remarkably enough, I mean, you hit it on the head two weeks ago, this cold front pretty much hit the whole country. It's just totally dumbfounding how nasty it's been. And I mean, we've been dealing with snow for the last three days here in my neck of the woods. And I know North of me, our snow is like snows all night snows throughout the day it melts a little bit during the day because it warms up to 33 34 degrees 
But at the end of the day, north of me, I know they've got like eight to 12 inches of snow on the ground right now, fresh snow that just came in the last two weeks. So it kind of, uh, I heard from the boys down in Kentucky and in different places. I mean, they were dealing with the same cold front. I mean, what a massive, massive system. And it really did put a damper on a lot of things. I put my boat in on like the 22nd or something like that of, of March, maybe a little before that. And we were like 37, 37 and a half degree water temperature. We got up to about 38 and then we literally dropped down to almost freezing. We were like 33, 33, two. And then we finally, we were, we, then we hovered around like 34, five, six. And then we finally, the last two, three days have broken up to the high 30s, which you know, it was not saying a lot, but that's a huge difference in walleye fishing. But we were we were breaking ice. We had, we had two days we broke ice to try to get out, and that was after everything was was ice free and all the ice had, had moved out of the system. And you know, we had like we had over over a week or ten days of, of ice free, no ice coming down. Everything's thawed. Everything's good to go. More, you know, water temperatures in the mid to high thirties. You know, thirty seven, thirty. You know, thirty six and a half, thirty seven, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like we got to the point where it's like, holy smokes, we're we're just above freezing. We're at 33 degrees and, and the marinas are freezing at night. It just set us back a long ways. And it just kind of seemed like the wallet that were in the system, they were getting kind of beat up on and we weren't bringing any new ones, you know, as more and more fish were getting caught every day and we were out catching fish every day. And, you know, it wasn't great fishing, but we were getting by and then every day there's just less and less. And as it's so cold, there's not, it's not bringing those new fish in to spawn. And it, and, and it got tough. And like you said, all over the country, it was the same thing. No matter what you were fishing for, it's tough when you get those huge fronts that come through the whole the whole Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. So switching gears, let's talk a little bit about the muskie thing in St. Clair. One thing that I think a lot of listeners probably aren't aware of is that you don't actually have a closed season. Is that correct, Spencer? So Ontario is closed until the first Saturday in June. Michigan, we have a catch and release season that um, is year-round, and then our quote-unquote possession season starts the same day, the first Saturday in June, and goes till the first of the year. Michigan only, you can fish them early season, so to speak. I would strongly encourage anyone listening to please avoid fishing the St. Clair fish until they've spawned. It's something that we fought very hard against, just because, um, you know, and, and this is coming from a guy, I, I used to make a living and guide in Indiana, fishing pre-spawn and spawning fish, but those were all stocked fish. These are all natural fish. So if you, if you, if you interrupt them spawning and you don't have spawning fish, you have no fish left. It is a true statement that we are not closed in Michigan, but it's also a, you know, a, a bit of a controversial subject, so to speak in the sense that we, we as local, you know, anglers, pros, uh, guides, whatever, would prefer that everyone kind of leave those fish alone until after they've had a chance to spawn and, you know, you know sustain our fishery moving forward. Well, that's why I brought it up. I, I think it's really cool, and it, it says a lot about the muskie anglers out there, that nobody is doing that. You guys have always honored the beginning of the mm-hmm. season being the first Saturday in June, and I think it's important people hear that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I presented in front of the Natural Resources Commission. I, I, I sit on the Warm Water Committee for the DNR. And I mean, we, we truly did everything we could to try to sway the DNR into restricting, to, to leaving St. Clair out of the open you know, catch and release season, just because 
there's so many lakes in the state of Michigan that are stocked. We stock a ton of lakes in Michigan, and those lakes, if, if it's primarily a stocking system, that, that those fish are all there because of the DNR stocking, it makes perfect sense that they don't need to be protected on the spawn. The water is cold. They're not, there's not high mortality, but there could be high mortality to the eggs that they are potentially dropping. However, in most of those systems where they're, where they're stocking them, the reproduction isn't existent, as it is in the south and the reservoirs in Indiana, Illinois, all those other southern lakes. St. Clair is the exception. St. Clair is one of the few lakes in Michigan that is 100% non-stock, no stocking at all. It's all natural reproduction, which is why we've always said that we should be on, a, on, a, on an exemption list from the catch and release season because we are the, you know, the, one of the only self-sustaining, fully natural fisheries in the state. And we provide all the state's fruit stocks to this point. They're trying to move that to thorn apple and they're working on that as well. But you know, for the last 10 years plus, all of the Great Lakes strain that the Michigan's trying to stock have all come from Lake St. Clair with thorn apple trying to provide some of those fish as well in the, in the recent years. Yeah, that's truly interesting stuff. Kind of switching back, do you feel that the uh, the weather is going to play a role in that spawning uh, time frame, or do you think it's going to kind of hold true like it normally does? So our spawning is definitely varied. Um, uh, it definitely is varied drastically depending on the weather and depending on the water levels. The water levels had a huge impact on when our fish have spawned. Uh, when the water was super high in the Great Lakes, which two years ago we peaked, and now we are substantially lower than we were two years ago at peak. Uh, and it seems like the spawn moved back. I mean, egg collection for the DNR moved back almost a month. I mean, it was several, three weeks minimum it moved from what it was five years ago to what it was two years ago, just because of the higher water and colder springs that that, that brings. Uh, what people have to realize is St. Clair is ultimately very, very shallow. So it, it, it heats up and cools down quickly because of the shallow water. And once we raise the water with the high levels, it had a big impact on how much it takes to cool or warm it. That ultimately moved the spawn back significantly when the water got so high because there's a lot more water volume to warm. And we saw the, the spawn move back significantly, and it, it definitely impacted our fishing drastically because they're, they're now, they were spawning, you know, normally early May. Now, the last couple of years, it seems like they're more spawning end of May, which, once again, if you're, if you're waiting until the first Saturday in June means that by op- but what we call opener, which is possession opener or Canadian opener, means the fish have spawned and done their business, and you can go about and ethically ta- target them. But also, when they spawn that, that close to the opener, it does provide some difficulties to anglers in the sense that those fish post-spawn are tough to target. I mean, they kind of go into that post-spawn funk for about two weeks where they're pretty tough to catch. This year, with the water down, you know, over two feet from its peak, I would have said, you know, I would have told you two weeks ago that I would bet the spawn will happen earlier and that by opening day, what we call opening day was the first Saturday in June, which is open for possession. Granted, there's catch and release. But opening for possession season, I would have said that those fish will probably be a little more fired up, a little more agreeable, a little bit more recovered from spawn. But now with this major cold snap that, that set us back a few weeks, who knows? I would say right now we are at least two weeks behind where I'd like to be right now, 10 days minimum, where I'd like to be behind what I want to be. But the forecast right now looks pretty warm. so. 
you know, if you get if we get a warm April, then they could still spawn in early May and be several weeks into recovery and get back to that normal feeding pattern that we see a couple weeks after the muskie spawn where they're more predictable, you know, and feeding very aggressively. It just kind of depends on how that weather falls in the next three to four weeks or, or more. Yeah, well, it's so true. I mean, muskies, number one thing, I think, is weather. And that doesn't matter if it's in October or if it's in July or if it's going to be on opener. So I I think that's a valid point. And I I definitely think it's interesting how you guys have have all cooperated so well out there on your opening day. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we we all feel very strongly about it and we urge everybody else to. you know, hopefully one day maybe we'll see St. Clair closed again until post-spawn. You know, that would make all of us very, very happy. There's the DNR said they're going to readdress it, but everything in that uh, and, the, and that front tends to move fairly slowly. So, you know, we'll we'll see how that all progresses. Yeah, so Spencer, kind of talking about that natural reproduction thing, how is the muskie population in St. Clair? Is it as good as it had been because of the, you know, the lack of, I guess I'm assuming there was a lack of pressure the last couple of years with, you know, the border closure and things like that. So I'm guessing it kind of helped the muskie population overall. I mean, what's your assessment of where it's at? Overall, the, the obviously the lack of pressure had maybe a small impact. I mean, ultimately, I don't think there's, you don't have a crazy high mortality. Um, we have some, but we don't have an insane amount. Um, but in general, because we're a natural reproduction fishery, and specifically a big system, we see very, very differing year classes of fish coming up. And then on top of all of that, we had the VHS virus hit us in 06, and that had a huge impact on our overall muskie population. And now moving forward to today, we've seen the post-VHS fish. So the virus is a a blood disorder. It killed a huge percentage of our fish. Nobody knows exactly how many, but it could be as many as 40%. Maybe I've heard numbers even higher than that. Like I said, that was in 06. It petered out. It basically was done by 07. But the first year classes post-virus were some of the biggest year classes St. Clair's ever seen. And we've watched those year classes come up through the system. And they are just very, very big, robust year classes with huge numbers of fish. And right now, those fish are now into the 50-plus range. They're into the low 50 range. You know, watching those couple year classes before, and actually, we we have a very substantial year classes basically from there on out. We don't really seem to have any horrible gaps like we did when the virus hit us. But right now, those post VHS fish, those first year classes, are about 50, 52 and change. Last year, they should be fifty three this year. So we're really excited with the overall trajectory of our fishery and just what the year classes are going to bring us in the sense that I, I think there's going to be a lot more 50 inches this year than the last two years. And I think it's going to continue. And then the really exciting thing is some of these fish that were born, the first year class that were born post virus, they've never had, they, they grew up not dealing with nearly the lake population of competition and muskies that they, that their, you know, newborn brother would have today. And they seem just some of the biggest, healthiest, strongest fish we have in the system. And it will be really cool in the next couple of years to see just how big these fish can grow um, and how many mid-50 inchers we can produce. Because overall, in the last couple of years, we have seen 
the amount of 54 plus inch fish on St. Clair dropped drastically just because we were relying on the year classes that got hit really hard by VHS and had huge mortality when the virus came through. And those year classes just, you know, there wasn't that many of them. They got, they got, you know, cut down massively when they were small. And then, you know, obviously every year, whatever survived through VHS every year, there's less of them just through natural selection and things. And now by the time they're supposed to be in the mid fifties, they they seem almost non-existent. And we've seen overall our biggest fish for the year go down a little bit. We've seen a lot of 50 inches, don't get me wrong, but just the overall amount of mid fifties have fallen because of that. And now watching those first, those crazy strong year classes come through and reach that 53 inch mark, hopefully 54 next year and so on. They seem to be growing at a very alarming pace for mid 50 inch fish, which is normally three quarters of an inch a year or so. You know, it's really, really exciting. And overall, just moving down the whole line, it seems like our fishery is much healthier than it's ever been before. We have healthier, fatter fish than ever before. The amount of shad and things right now is, is absolutely unbelievable. So, you know, St. Clair fish are heavier than ever been before, which has always been a you know, a negative stereotype against us, especially pre-VHS when they were a little skinnier. But overall, everything looks really, really good for us moving forward. And we expect just a great year for, for both numbers and size. And, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years, we'll see more 55 inches. And, you know, who knows, we could even see a lake record maybe caught in the next, you know, four or five years once those year classes get to the, you know, the, the mid to high 50 inch range, potentially the few that can survive to that length. And, you know, it, it's exciting stuff for all of us. Yeah, it's certainly great to hear that it's in good shape. And then you know, as far as interest for St. Clair, the weird thing about it for me is it seems like some of the noise around St. Clair is maybe quieted a little bit. Is Yeah. What do you attribute that to? So, I mean, it, it, it kind of follows along the same lines as any, you know, fishery that kind of explodes in the musky world. The one difference with St. Clair is that we are a natural, naturally reproducing fishery. So, it's not subject to some of the ups and downs that some of the stocked fisheries go through. And we've always had high amounts of fishing pressure, so it hasn't necessarily affected it as much. The casting bite definitely took a little bit of an ebb and flow in the sense that those fish had never seen a casting lure uh, up until, you know, at least in open water for the most part. They'd seen very, very few, and most of them are very naive up until 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then uh, more of them have you know, kind of been, you know, been caught and released. So they're, they've gotten a little bit more of the education, but in general, I think that the biggest thing that's happened with St. Clair is when it first came out and first kind of came out to the public. So it's been around since, you know, forever. We go back to Homer LeBlanc and all these guys back in way back in the day, you know, 50, 60, 80 years ago, hundred years ago, you see stuff about Lake St. Clair muskies, but it never been brought to the forefront for casting and kind of the whole the overall musky world as a whole had not really embraced St. Clair and then in the early you know in 2000 you know I'll say 8 to 13 it, it was kind of the talking point for St. Clair post some of the Minnesota Malax Vermilion um, you know Bonanza and it kind of filled that void and a lot of everybody wanted to go out and try it and, uh, and, you know, that, that was when I saw my business explode and it, and it was phenomenal. But, you know, the way that kind of progresses is a lot. There's a lot of bite chase. A lot of guys want to come out and try it for the first time. And, you know, some people came out, loved it, had a great time. And I have ton of tons of those guys that I have now had as clients for the last 12, 13, 14 years. Uh, but there's also a lot of people that come out and say, you know what? 
you know, I don't want to throw at nothing. And they, and that's what St. Clair is. It's open water fishing only. There's no structure in it. And, and they don't want to throw at the horizon. They want to throw at a rock reef. And that's not something St. Clair can provide. You also get a lot of guys that they, they think the new bite, so to speak, is, is the secret is all be all to musky fishing. And you're going to catch 10 fish a day with a 50 incher. And they come out and realize that that's not the case. It's still muskies. Granted, it's a great world-class fishery. And we catch, you know, a lot of fish on average and a lot of big fish on average. But still, you're going to have your tough days. And uh, it's not the the solution to slow muskie fishing. And and there's also a lot of guys that just, you know, they want to try the newest thing. And, you know, they try St. Clair and then they move on to something else. And, you know, it kind of all levels out. It's, it's just like just like any sort of fishing window it all kind of comes to a head and just kind of levels out to a certain point and it seems like the interest in st Clair, we still have tons of local clients and i i are tons of business and i've got you know a a unbelievable client base that that comes out there but you know your new interest is is tapered down to the same as i would say a lot of the other peak musky fisheries are at this point just because we've kind of reached that point where it's not as mystical anymore and it's not such a new entity in the musky world that's funny to hear you talk about you know people wanting to go somewhere new so they can experience 10 fish days i mean i'm sure you're still getting 10 fish days right now oh absolutely but it's not it's not every day i mean that's the thing like we've you know my my boat has has vacillated i mean the best i ever did was just over five a day average and then normally i'm high threes low fours and, you know, my best day is normally in the high teens. And that's, granted, that's in 150 days in the water uh, for muskies. So, I mean, we have those days, but, I mean, it's, I, I mean, you guys both know as well as anybody, and anyone listening needs to know this, like, fishing is not a game of averages. It's a game of extremes. Like, when, you're, when I say that my best day is 18 fish or whatever it may be for the year, um, and my average is four fish a day, like that one 18 fish day is when I probably have two 17 fish days or whatever it may be. I mean, that's a lot of donuts or one fish days to balance those out. And that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, fishing ultimately is a lot of boomer bust and you know, you're going to, if you do it enough, you're going to see the good, the bad and the ugly on any fishery and St. Clair is no different. Well, the true bottom line is you're, you're musky fishing. You hit it on the head, Spencer. And, and I, I guess what my recommendation would be, for somebody that was going to book you to come out there and fish, you know, try to book multiple days. You're making a trip all the way out there. You might as well do two or three days and hopefully in those three days, you're going to get it done. You know? No, absolutely. And that's always the case anywhere you're going to travel to. And you know, the one nice thing about St. Clair is like that we have higher populations of muskies than most other fisheries. And you know, whether, you know, you know, whether you're going to catch a 50 inch or 55 inch or whatever it may be, at least normally we can send people home with, with a fish or two, whether, you know, they might not be giants, but at least a fish because we have a higher density and a higher catch rate than most places. But like you said, it's, it's still ultimately musky fishing. You know, a lot of times when you get that new explosion of the, this is the new hot lake, you know, people don't realize that they're not going to be there on quote unquote the day. Like everyone can't be there on the day. And, you know, I've talked about this and some of the stuff that, you know, when, when you post, um, you know, on Facebook, social media or whatever it may be, you post your, your, your pictures of the best day of the year and, and everybody dreams of being there on that day, but everybody can't be there on the day. You know, you have to remember that that's just not practical 
And at the end of the day, it's still musky fishing. You're going to have your ups and downs. And if you put the odds in your favor, you go open for multiple days, you work hard, you know, hopefully you're going to, you're going to put your odds in your favor doing the best you have, can with the days that you have, but, uh, it's still musky fishing and muskies, muskies can still suck. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. So, you know, you're going to have the good, the bad and the ugly. I tell clients all the time, if you, if you book a couple days, you know, you're probably going to see a couple, you know, one or two good days, one or two bad days and a couple in the middle. I mean, that's just the way it goes. I'm going to assume that most of your clientele, Spencer, don't come with a boat, right? I mean, they come out there to, to book you. How many of them actually fish that body of water after a, a day or two in the boat with you? So, I mean, it is funny. So this is another part of the reason why, like like what Jeff said, um, a lot of guys seem like they're not willing, they're not as excited about Claire and kind of some of that um, has petered out is that St. Clair is, it's, it's gigantic, it's shallow, and it gets very, very rough. So I, I've had a lot of people in the past that have brought boats, and I still have people that bring some boats, but, I mean, it, it gets very mean, very fast. We are very far offshore normally, so, I mean, it, it definitely uh, is a tougher egg to crack when you're bringing your own boat. You need to be very comfortable in big water. If you have a lot of big water experience, you've got the boat to handle it, more power to you, but St. Clair is not the place for John boats. It's not the place for little, little, little aluminum boats, especially if you're planning on going out and doing the open water thing like we do. Um, you know, and a lot of guys say like, well, I'll come out on a day. It's calm. And that's, that's all well and good. But you know, we all love to remind people like you, you can always control what you go out in. You can never control what you come back in. Cause you know, a drop of a hat with a shallow fishery like we have, it can get really rough, really fast. So that's always a concern. I would say the vast majority of my clients, I, I honestly can't tell you one person I, I personally guide that, uh, that brings a boat consistently for the most part, you know, the guys that I have, most of them I would describe as very good fishermen on their home waters, uh, wherever those may be, whether they be Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you know, Ohio, wherever, but the few days they want to play on quote unquote, the big pond, they would rather just hire me be on the fish and, and not worry about dragging their own boat around, you know, the, the beating that it might take and, and then trying to find fish on such a big and structureless fishery. Makes total sense for sure. And that's kind of what I had figured you were going to say. So I want to back up a little bit. You know, you, you originally were talking about the walleyes and how they're coming from Lake Erie. How many yeah. are how many muskies are, are going to Erie as well? So that's an actually a very interesting question because ten years ago, naively and incorrectly, I would have told you very few. Since then, we have you know, the the Michigan and Ontario, the Ministry of Natural Resources in Ontario, the DNR in um, in Michigan have done tracking studies and used the grid system of, of sensors in the Great Lakes to kind of track some of these muskies we have over 100 muskies that have been tagged the tra- the the tags work for i believe it's like two years don't quote me on that it, it's actually fairly amazing how many fish throughout the system do migrate between lake erie and st Clair. the vast majority of them don't seem to but there is no doubt that there is a resident population of muskies that are you know consider home to be the western basin of lake erie one of the things that, that really shocked us, and if you actually look at it on the surface, it makes total sense, is that the majority of the fish, or a lot of the fish that are actually spawning in the Detroit River itself, 
are from Lake Erie. They're not actually from Lake St. Clair. Some of them are, but most of them are actually coming up from Lake Erie, it seems like, which, you know, kind of shocked us because none of us, no one ever talks about the Lake Erie muskie population for the most part, except, except for the east side of Erie over towards, you know, the Niagara and things. But the Western Basin is not really talked about a lot, muskie fishing. But when you consider the fact that, that the Detroit River flows from Lake St. Clair into Lake Erie, that when you have fish that are coming, you know, when they're going into a river to spawn, they're normally looking to swim up current and they want warmer water. And if the fish that are in Lake St. Clair already, if they were to go into the Detroit River, they're going to be swimming down current into generally a colder river than what the perimeters of Lake St. Clair would be. So although some of them do do that, in general, a lot of the fish or majority of the fish, it seems like that we've tagged on the Detroit River that are spawning are actually fish that spend the majority of their summers in the western basin of Lake Erie, which was fairly eye-opening to all of us that have watched some of the trackers. Additionally, it, it is amazing to watch some of the tracking studies done just how mobile some of these Great Lake strain fish are. And guys, a lot of people like myself, especially, would argue that there's no doubt that Great Lake strain fish are much more migratory and much more mobile than a lot of your inland strains. Um, and, and you look at some of these fish, like we had one that was tagged on the eastern side of Lake St. Clair in the Thames River in October uh, by the MNR a couple years ago that swam out of the Thames, all the way across the south shore of St. Clair, through the Detroit River, all the way to Toledo, and then all the way basically to the east side of Erie, and then all the way back across the other side of Erie, up the Detroit River, and all the way back across the south shore of St. Clair and into the Thames again, all in a one-year period. I mean, that's just an unbelievable amount of miles. I mean, you're hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles that fish swam in one year. I mean, it's just it's just an unbelievable cycle just to see how those fish move around that fishery. But on the flip side, I've also caught the exact same fish on St. Clair within a hundred feet of, of, of where I caught it previous in about a year period from, from catch to catch. So, you know, you do see a little bit of everything, but in general, I would say the St. Clair fish move a lot. And there is a lot of fish that are moving up and down that river. All right, so Spencer, we're talking big water in St. Clair, which is primarily where you, you know, that's where you're at right now. That's where you guide. That's where you make a living. Let's talk about some of your, we'll call it more of your roots. I know you did a lot of fishing in Indiana, and then, and it was a great fishery at a time, but then I think Indiana went through a pretty tough spell, and now it appears as though it's coming back. You Do you have much knowledge on, you know, what's going on with Indiana waters? Because I hear some rumblings and it sounds like things are, are, are progressing. Yeah. So I don't guide down there anymore, but I spent a lot of time down there in previous years. It's been a while since I've been down there, but it's still, you know, that area is still near and dear to my heart. Cause I, I start actually started guiding there, even though it wouldn't be what I consider my home water at any point. But, um, I did start guiding there and it, it is, it's been an interesting cycle for what those lakes have done. They were just, is such an unbelievable success story and they built such an incredible fishery. And then, you know, things in the 2009 to 12, 13 range really, really bottomed those fisheries out. I mean, they took a huge dive. You saw the catch rates go down drastically. You saw catch rates in, in things like the Indiana classic, which is the biggest tournament there, 
you know, go from a hundred plus fish in a weekend tournament, you know, six, seven to win, you know, to the team. So I mean, you're not talking a, a 50% reduction. You're talking, you know, like an 80% reduction in, in catch rate. And the reason for that is still a little bit unclear. Everybody kind of has their own theory. I would argue that the majority, the major reason that that happened had to do with, with the weed killer they started introducing to the lake uh, and what that did to the dissolve oxygen levels and things like that. But that's like that everybody would argue, and the DNR has argued vigorously that's not the case. Um, overall, though, the last several years now, we've seen that that whole, those fisheries really rebound the PMTT in, you know, in 2018 had their championship there. It was the highest catch rate championship ever. It was an unbelievable showing for Indiana, especially on Webster. One of the things that I, I think kind of contributed to that is that the, the clubs have gotten, the Muskies Inc. clubs, sorry, have gotten really involved. They've started wintering over a lot of their, their stocking, specifically on Webster, stocking bigger fish that are a year old rather than, you know, six, seven months old. And it seems like those fish have just done unbelievably well in the system. Granted, they're, they're now probably at about the mid forties. Granted, there's bigger, they've been stocking since, you know, before that, but the ones they've been wintering over are in the mid forties and, uh, and they've done unbelievably well and they seem very aggressive and, you know, very, very, you know, very catchable, very targetable. And overall it, it, it just has rebounded. Well, I, I hope to see it continue to trend in the right direction and, you know, it was one of the, if not the best spring Southern fishery for a little bit. And, you know, being, being as, as kind of near to and dear to me as, as it is, I, I just, I hope it can, can get back to where it was, but uh, everything down there seems to be going in the right direction and the stocking and that they're doing and the club work that they've done down there is, is really, really impressive. I don't know a ton about the Indiana fisheries. I'm assuming that most of those lakes are fairly small, kind of like northern Wisconsin lakes. So you're talking big water on St. Clair. These lakes would probably be accessible to most anglers. Yeah. So, I mean, Webster is six, you know, it's less than 700 acres, 640 some acres, something like that. You know, the biggest fisheries, you know, you're talking Barbie chain is, is, is a chain of multiple lakes. They combine for just over a thousand. Tippecanoe and, and James can combine for just over a thousand. You know, so we're talking, you know, St. Clair is, is 274,000 acres. So, I mean, you're talking literally 3,000 acres of water combined between the three biggest lakes and, and one of them, the chain of lakes in Indiana, 3,000 combined versus St. Clair, you know, before the two rivers, before the St. Clair River and Detroit River, you know, when you add in the two rivers, you have 400,000 acres of water. So, just night and day difference in, in the size and accessibility between the two. You know, for your average angler, is it your typical structure? You know, you'll call it musky structure in a sense. I mean, is there a lot of weed fishing and that kind of stuff there for anglers looking for that? Yeah. So the Indiana fisheries in general, like they, there's no rock for the most part in any of those systems, but there is weeds, break lines and open water. So it's, it's a sh they're all shad based fisheries. At least if you deal with the big three, uh, which is, you know, Tippecanoe, Barbie Chain, and Webster. They're all shad-based. There is weed growth in all of them, absolutely, that all plays a huge factor. And then, obviously, whenever you have shad in, in, in those type of lake scenarios, you deal with a lot of open water. During spawn and early seasons, a lot of shallow flats and things, especially around weed growth. But, no, it's, it's totally traditional musky fishing, especially traditional, you know, 
uh, lake fishing when when it comes to the early season. The one thing you don't have is, you, at least from what I've seen, you don't have a lot of dirty water uh, that we would associate with southern reservoirs in the spring just because these are actual lakes. They're not reservoirs in a mountain range where, you know, an inch of rain and you know can raise it 20 feet in a couple of days. These are actual lakes that don't vacillate drastically in water level, so you don't see the crazy chocolate milk water. It's fairly consistent water clarity, but it's very, very traditional to like what you're saying, like northern Wisconsin style fishing. It's just, you know, what we're talking about is like you said, the early spring bite in particular is a little bit more unique because obviously those places are not open early season. Indiana, on the other hand, is 100% stocked. They say there's basically no survival of, of, of any spawn. So it's perfectly ethical to go down there and fish for them early season and can be a phenomenal, phenomenal early season bite for the guys that are willing to, to go down there and look for them. You know, it's pretty incredible all the different fisheries that we have in the South. I mean, everybody, you know, the, the Wisconsin, Minnesota anglers were always waiting for seasons to open, but there truly are mm-hmm. tons of opportunities in all across the Midwest and the Muskie Range. I mean, probably more opportunities than, than there ever has been before. For sure. Absolutely. No doubt. Like all, so many of these Southern states have gotten, well, Southern Midwestern states, I should say, have, uh, have, have embraced that, that Muskie, you know, stocking trend and, and have done well with them. And, and, you know, you, you see a lot of anglers that are using those fisheries and, and, and ultimately we all want to have our own lake that our own private lake. But at the end of the day, the DNR wants to see people using the fish they're stocking and that's, that's what's happening. And that, that promotes them to stock more. And then you had in the Muskie's Inc. Club pushing them the right direction, funding some of that stocking and, and feeding some of the spawn. And, you know, you've got a great setup and, you know, you're, you're kind of aiming for success when you, all that kind of lines up together. So Spencer, we kind of jumped around with this podcast a little bit. We talked big water, we talked small water and, but we haven't talked about baits and tools for St. Clair. I know that there's a few new options on the market this year and that you're excited to put to use. And I think you've probably actually put them to use already. Why don't you talk a little bit about those? Yeah. So St. Clair, you know, we're dealing with all open water for the most part. That's that's kind of the name of the game for us is the open water, you know, casting environment. That's what I deal with. We've got a couple of really cool new baits on the, on the market that I used both last year. And then something I'm excited about for this upcoming year. Um, the first one, you know, the musky innovations, ultra dog. I, I had a lot, I had a pretty decent hand in trying to help design and, and, and get right. It's, it's a pound and a quarter bulldog that, that really, really gets deep and it's got a great hop to it. goes up and down in the water when you rip it. And, uh, it really seems to it seemed to work very very well for us, especially last fall when I really had a, a you know a handful in my in my hand and 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 did uh, did get the product test a, a lot of the final product so to speak the one that actually out to the public and uh, you know I'm excited about that one that one did very well in the limited showing last year another one that uh, that I used last year that was really really good was was the detonator from Musky Mayhem that one was absolutely phenomenal for us uh, towards the later half of what I consider bucktail season, which is, you know, basically middle of July for us. That kind of starts on St. Clair and goes through, you know, when the water hits about 58 or so degrees, it seems like that bucktail bite dies. But that whole time, the, the 9 over 10 uh, musky mayhem bucktail combo bucktails, and then the detonator was really good. And I'm really excited about using the new grenade. I didn't get a chance to try that last year. I got a bunch of them from brad here recently and i'm excited about those those should be really good the, 
the bucktail bite on St. Clair in general has been really, really great casting wise. The last two years just keep, seems to keep getting better. Um, maybe it's because we fed them so much rubber the last couple of years and rubber is still our staple, but bucktails are, you know, catching my biggest fish last year, my longest fish last year came on a bucktail and, um, a lot of other guys kind of had the same level of success and it's really exciting to see some of those new baits like that, uh, what they can do for our open water fisheries. But yeah, those would probably be the biggest ones for me, the new ultra dog for musky innovations and then the musky mayhem the detonator, the grenade. Uh, actually, Brad also did make me some some custom triggers with some extra weight for open water that I'm really excited about. I think those would be really, really good. One of the things about St. Clair, when you're out in St. Clair and you're casting open water, you know, you're a lot of times, especially with the bucktails, it seems like they tend to work best when the water's a little choppy. So when you're working those baits in two to three foot of, you know, of, of wave action over 18, 19 foot of water, if you've got bucktails that ride super high, they tend to blow out of the water. If you try to reel them quick, we're normally burning them in the summertime. So we, I, I went to Brad and asked him to help me out and, and get me some baits that have some extra weight so I can burn them quickly and still keep them under even the most wave action. He came back with some with some extra weighted baits that we're going to be trying this year that I'm, I'm super, super excited about. I think will be really, really good. And overall, like so that summertime bucktail bite has been just, been awesome for us so i'm excited about all those and then obviously you know our our staple for st Clair moving you know back the last five six years has always been you know the chaos tackle medusas you know musky innovations pounders and mag dogs and then uh you know obviously you know go back to the old, good old double cowgirl and junior cowgirl you know those are all kind of the staples but then you add in some of the new stuff and it's just uh you know a lot of cool stuff happening a lot of new baits and new baits to show these fish that haven't maybe seen them before. And hopefully, uh, hopefully some of these new lures will make them dumb again. <laughs> well, I think that's what every bait manufacturer is looking for. Right. And then it goes to the customer base and the customer base wants that new bait because they want to try something that a fish hasn't seen before, you know, and I think probably the biggest difference there in the blade side of things is the grenade. It's something that we've played with for many, many years and just kind of put away off to the wayside and kind of restarted looking at it two years ago. And the whole concept of that bait is primarily with that forward heavy, it allows you to burn and keep that bait in a deeper water column. So I think that uh, it should do you some just out there. No, I'm really excited. And after, you know, after we talked about it and stuff, like everything that you, everything you designed it for is, is picture perfect for St. Clair. So like I said, it, it absolutely, you know, should really do some, you know, some, some damage out on our fish. And I, I think it's going to be a, a really good addition to the arsenal. All, all of your recent baits have been phenomenal. Like I said, the St. Clair bucktail bite just keeps getting better. And I, I really can't explain why it just, it just is, you know, like the so rubber is still phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. We catch still tons of big fish on rubber, but that bucktail bite just keeps getting better and better. And, at the end of the day, you know, the, the hookup rate too is better on, on blades than it'll ever be on rubber. So, you know, that's an even better, an even bigger bonus for all of us. So, you know, like I said, we love throwing it and, you know, it, it makes a lot of big fish act dumb and, you know, that makes me a happy guide. I can definitely say from experience though, that the detonator isn't just a, uh, it's not just a big fish or big water bait. I mean, I used it up in Northern Wisconsin and it was probably easily my best bucktail last year. I was far more excited about the trigger, but I actually caught more fish on the detonator 
And so that's a tool that, you know, a lot of people shy away from it because of the big blades on it, but it really doesn't pull that hard. It's actually a fairly easy bait to work. No, I didn't see much. We, we threw a ton of nine tens and uh, yeah, it did not seem really much different than that. And ultimately, as long as you're geared for it with the right equipment, the right rods, the right reels, it's really honestly not that bad to throw whatsoever. And at the end of the day, if you're catching fish, it makes reeling any size bucktail or any size rubber bait all that much easier as long as you got some, you know, some, some fish biting it and get those adrenaline rushes throughout the day, then, you know, they all feel light. So Spencer, we want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk musky fishing with us. If people are looking to get out on St. Clair, I know you personally probably don't have availability, but you have a, you know, a network of guys that, you know, that you guys fish with and talk about fishing with and keep guys catching muskies. How do they go about getting in touch with you? Yeah, so I run Spencer's Angling Adventures. So my uh, email address is Spencer's Angling ADV at Gmail and then Spencer's Angling ADV.com. Uh, also, my cell phone numbers, you know, 419 410 0498. Just get a hold of me any way, shape, or form. And, uh, you know, happy to, you know, to try to get you in my boat, get you in any of my guys' boats, and, you know, get you out in St. Clair and get you enjoying this amazing fishery and, uh, you know, having a good time on the water and, hopefully catching fish well thanks again spencer for coming and talking muskies fishing with us we want to thank our audience for coming out and listening to another episode with us and we'll see everybody again next week